0: wherever whenever now from Studio B or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be here's Sean Kelly
1: how goes it welcome into the black and blue report the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans it's our last show here before the all-star break and I think we've got a good one for you we've got the football news today and we've got some heavy basketball stuff too As the Pelicans get ready for the Indiana Pacers tonight, their last game before the All-Star break, and we'll uh, break down the action today with David Wesley, of course, on a Wesley Wednesday. John Schumann from NBA.com steps in and looks at things from an analytical perspective. He does a lot of deep, advanced statistical and analytical work for NBA.com. It's pretty fascinating, and there are some things that you'll want to hear from John Schumann today regarding the Pelicans and Anthony Davis and the race for eight in the Western Conference playoff scenario, so all that and more coming up here on the Black and Blue Report as we come to you from the Smoothie King Center today. The Pacers are in town, as we mentioned. They'll bring that big front line to uh, to New Orleans tonight. Hibbert, David West, and uh, and they've been playing well. I want to say they had a three 0 week last week. Uh, still thirteen games under five hundred. This is a team though that uh, gives uh, gives folks fits, especially like the New Orleans Pelicans. And we'll see uh, if Anthony Davis plays tonight. I would say right now, at least my gut tells me, excuse me, fifty-fifty is the shot here for Anthony Davis and that bruised shoulder. We do know this: Drew Holiday remains out, and Ryan Anderson will miss the second straight game now with a sore elbow. So you're shorthanded, but you're at home tonight, and uh, hopefully the Pelicans can snap their two-game skid and pick up this win here in the uh, in the. Uh, pre, I guess, all-star break stretch and uh, salvage one, one game out of this, uh, this quick homestand. Uh, as it stands right now, Phoenix loses last night to Houston, so there are three teams uh, looking for that eighth spot in the West, all with 25 losses, Oklahoma City, New Orleans, and Phoenix, of course, and uh, it will be interesting to see how this plays out. After tonight, the Pelicans left 29 games to go. Um, and that's post-All-Star break on. So this one I think is pretty important tonight after the way that the Pelicans played on Monday against the Utah Jazz. David Wesley in just a moment, though, to help us um, get our arms around this stretch for the Pelicans and what All-Star means not only for uh, the Pelicans and other NBA teams but for Anthony Davis, too, specifically. And uh, then, as I mentioned, John Schumann from NBA.com to talk about the things that we just touched upon a moment ago. Uh, Now, more sad news, by the way, in the college basketball coaching um, world history, if you will. First, we lose Dean Smith, and then earlier this morning, I don't know if you've heard it yet or not, but uh, Jerry Tarkanian, former head coach at UNLV and Fresno State, notably, uh, has passed away. So the shark has gone on, and uh, that's two this week now. And so there are a lot of folks, uh, not only in college basketball, but the NBA, too, feeling the impact of uh, those two losses. We talked about uh, Dean Smith with Dave Hanners just the other day and then this news here this morning about Jerry Tarkanian. On the football front, got some news today from the New Orleans Saints. Some of this we had already seen reported upon, but uh, today the New Orleans Saints uh, and head coach Sean Payton announced uh, their coaching staff for the upcoming season. Uh, The reworking of the coaching staff has a couple of familiar names to it and uh, some names that you may know from other places. Notably, Dennis Allen comes back to New Orleans. He's been hired now as a senior defensive assistant formerly a head coach of the Oakland Raiders, uh, but he returns uh, back here to work with head coach Sean Payton and uh, the defensive staff uh, here in New Orleans. Also joining the defensive staff is James Willis. He'll be coming in as a defensive assistant and a linebackers coach. Willis is a former player himself, um, and uh, he also has ties to the state of Louisiana as he had served as defensive quarter, coordinator at the University of Louis- Lafayette the last two seasons. We all know how well the raging Cajuns had done defensively. And then other names that you'll see here now on the staff for Sean Payton include John Morton. He's the new wide receivers coach. Uh, Morton was uh, a member of the 2006 staff. Uh, that, that team did very well. Went on to the NFC Championship game. Uh, so go back a little further into Sean Payton's past for that. Morton has spent the last three seasons uh, with the San Francisco 49ers on the Harbaugh staff. Over there, Joel Thomas is the new running backs coach for the New Orleans Saints, and then Kyle Devan and Greg Lewis have also been hired as offensive assistants, and Brendan Nugent now comes in also as a coaching assistant. So there you have it. Some of that stuff you probably heard about already, or at least reported through other circles, but we get the official word today from head coach Sean Payton, and the 2015 coaching staff is in place and ready to go. I, I've seen, um, I've seen a lot of the guys on the staff. Uh, not necessarily the new guys, but uh, a lot of the coaches around the facility on Metairie, in Metairie uh, the last uh, couple of weeks already hard at it. And the Combine's coming up next week as well. Our own John DeShazer will be on site in Indianapolis to uh, help us cover that. That's uh, right after the All-Star break, and we'll focus on that next week. All right, we're going to take our first quick break here, and then we'll get back into our basketball conversation. David Wesley on a Wesley Wednesday in just a moment.
0: The future is now for the New Orleans Pelicans as all-star Anthony Davis has become one of the elite players in the NBA. 2015-16 season tickets are now on sale, so make sure to secure early bird pricing and receive special gifts as part of our parade of prizes. Season ticket holders receive great benefits, including access to exclusive team events, plus savings on concessions and merchandise. Be part of the best fan experience in the NBA by calling 525-HOOP or visiting pelicans.com today. You hear that? Yeah, that's the sound of Mardi Gras, baby. Ha <laughs> ha! Just something about the tradition of it all. Even though Fat Tuesday and Cash Crew scratch off from the lottery, you could be feeling like a king with up to $3,000 or even $12,000 in your back pocket. Stop and pick up Fat Tuesday and Cash Crew today. Now that's better than the good beads, baby. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Guess what day it is.
1: Pump day.
0: Well, yeah. And it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report.
1: Time now for Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. Every Wednesday, David Wesley joins us from Fox Sports New Orleans. It's a tradition unlike any other. It is not the Masters. It's the Black and Blue Report. Good morning, David.
2: Good morning, sir. How is everything going
1: Good, doing just fine. Congratulations! As we understand, the Wesley household is participating in the miracle of childbirth this week.
2: Uh, yes, um, four new puppies: three boys and a girl. So uh, that will be a lot of fun moving forward uh, over this next week, uh, week or two.
1: I, I guess maybe you should explain to our uh, friends listening onto the podcast today that this is not your ordinary child, uh, or excuse me, excuse me, puppy birth. Um. As the breed uh, is requiring a hands-on approach from you this weekend,
2: uh, they are—they're uh, going to need some help and some guidance to to get um, the, the babies to eat and the mother to to feed their babies. And you know, most of them don't take to it real good, so you end up having to bottle feed. Um, so it will be some work. They're not very nurturing at first, uh, uh, but from what I'm hearing now is you know eventually they may take to it but you got to be real careful and you got to watch them and you know it's 24 hours with these things for uh with these babies for i don't know a couple of weeks at least
1: i guess to clarify which breed are we talking about here david
2: we, we're talking about the english bulldog nice. uh i i've loved the english bulldog or i've loved bulldogs since tom and jerry uh when spike was on tom and jerry when i was growing up i've always wanted a bulldog and now i have one and um uh, in it uh my my boy bulldog is one of the best dogs i've ever had
1: share with me your experience of nursing babies david is it a, is it extensive
2: it, it, it is not uh i have wives, <laughs> i have three kids uh human babies uh but nurturing uh dogs uh maybe not so much this is my first litter
1: <laughs> nicely done and i would imagine even with the human children your nursing experience was not that extensive
2: Uh, absolutely not. I, uh, have no, no extensive, uh, knowledge of that at all. I I can't wait. They said one, uh, they said one of them has a huge head like, uh, like Emmett. So Shannon wants one of the boys. So I guess that'll probably be the one.
1: Okay. Okay. I just, you know, for someone, um, who's not biologically equipped to nurse, um, you know, I guess the bottle is the way to go, right?
2: Uh, yeah, that's my only choice, and that, yeah. that still doesn't mean I know even what I'm doing with that. So, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, trial and error. We'll see. If you're hungry you, enough, they'll eat.
1: You know I'm teasing you because I know you pride yourself on being just about good at everything you do. Uh, so I'm trying to find right. something that you may struggle <laughs> with.
2: I, I try. You know, I'll do the best I can. Like you said, I'm not equipped for nursing, but uh, that's where the bottle comes in, and uh, we'll see. I, you know what? Hey, you can come help me at any time, by the way.
1: I, I, I am slammed this weekend, slammed. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, of course, of
1: course. It is the all-star break, David.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So you come on over. You, you know, it's,
1: to do. it's interesting how you've timed this because the birth of my first child, a human, uh, was planned around a basketball road trip. So I I applaud you for your timing on this with the uh, Pelicans now off after tonight for another week.
2: Well, my, you know what? The, the The problem with that is I would have liked to have sat around and done nothing uh, maybe even going to the All Star game with my wife, but now I'm uh locked into taking care of babies, so it's uh I'm not really off. Bad timing for me. Bad timing.
1: Uh fair enough. Fair enough. Um I'm sorry that we had to start down this path today, but I just found it too irresistible, not to say the least.
2: <laughs> no, it's it's good. It's good. Yes. It's good topic.
1: Yeah, I, one thing I do know you're an expert on, and that is the NBA. So, with that, we should probably transition into this big final game uh, before the All-Star break for a Pelicans team that's lost two straight and gets Indiana tonight. Um, any thoughts on Anthony Davis, whether he goes or not? What does your gut tell you?
2: Um, my my gut tells me yes, uh, because he wants to play really bad. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that, that hates to sit out. He knows his team is struggling without him, and um, – You know, another pretty sizable inside um, group of Hibbert and Scola and West. Uh, I think he wants to be out there and help his team. But, um, you know, then again, Monty's known to hold guys out and protect guys from themselves. And who knows? He, He might not go again tonight.
1: Is it in any way political, David, because of the All-Star game? Let's just say that Davis, who got hurt on last Friday, uh, didn't play in the last two games for the Pelicans over the break, but then heals up enough to play in the All-Star game on Sunday. If that happened, uh, would people raise an eyebrow to that, or does it does it not matter or factor into this decision to play or not to play tonight? Well, uh, You
2: know, I, I, I listen to NBA radio on uh, XM. Um, and lately I've been listening to it a lot more and the big topic has been Carmelo Anthony, uh, Carmelo Anthony missing games before the all-star break, but plans on playing in the all-star break. I think it's a bit of a shame, uh, you know, um, and the way they're, the way they're talking about it makes sense to me is, uh, you're missing games that you're paid to play in to play in a game that you're not paid to play in, so to speak. Um, and it's it's not for real. It's not the games that you are uh, trying to win necessarily. It's, a, it's an exhibition, and so your your fans, your your followers that follow your team are you're missing those games and you're losing those games or possibly losing those games for a game that that uh, you know whether you play or not won't really matter in the big scheme of things. But endorsements and Things like that have really kind of played a big part in today's game, and it, it just makes you sit back and say, wow.
1: Looking back uh, to the last game, David, against Utah, um, I, I felt like you and I left the Smoothie King Center with a bad taste in our mouth, even though the Pelicans lost the game without the services of Holiday, Davis, and Anderson. Um, reflecting back now, um, why do you think we were so angry at the way it turned out?
2: because i because i i think we we believe in the talent that's on this team and regardless without holiday and 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 anderson and davis i think we feel like there's still enough talent out there to to win games and then you watch this team come out and play in that first half and pretty much move the ball defend do the things that are necessary to win a game, shot the ball extremely well, going um, to the halftime with a 10-point lead. And then if if any of the fans had gone to get popcorn, they came back to a tied game or a, a, a lead change. Um, and a completely different game. Uh, and then that second half, your backcourt has eight turnovers. They have 11 together as a team as a, as a, for the game and it's just uncalled for, but you know, they, they they started getting a little bit selfish, started to get a little bit I, I gotta get mine. Um, Tyree comes out, has sixteen in the first, two in the second, not enough. We talked about Eric Gordon struggle for three games and you absolutely need him to come out and play well. Well he shot the ball well, but he didn't handle the ball well and, and I think that's the frustrating part of it. Like that game was there to be had. Utah is is you know, they're struggling and Pelicans didn't perform.
1: So preview this one tonight, and we'll we'll go under the uh, the news that Anderson will not play, and that Davis is let's just call it fifty fifty at this point. Um, if you had to look at Pelicans Pacers tonight with those things in mind, what do you see?
2: I see the same. I see the exact same thing. The same feeling I had going into the Utah game. The same feeling I have now. Uh, they have a big team inside, and and so does so did utah uh utah dominated the pelicans uh on the inside points in the paint uh second chance points was really lopsided and so uh, it just takes a collective effort of guys that, that to get it done but still there's enough talent on the floor for the pelicans even without those three guys and i know that's a lot of points i know that might be asking too much but I still I you know, maybe it's my belief in this team, which might be a little bit more, but I've, I've seen it too much. I've seen the way they go out and play. I've seen them go play shorthanded and guys step up and they play well. And I still believe it can get done. And so I go into this Indiana game feeling the exact same way that they come out here and still come out with a win on their home floor.
1: Give me your thoughts on the fact that the Pelicans are squarely in the playoff chase now going into the All-Star break with this one game to play tonight. Phoenix, New Orleans, Oklahoma City, all sitting there now with 25 losses, essentially in a proverbial tie for the eighth seed in the Western Conference.
2: Well, the, the thing that scares me is I feel like of the three teams, um, Oklahoma City has the ability to to, to, to win – five, six, seven in a row, and then maybe lose one or two and then win another five or six in a row. My problem is, can the Pelicans do that? Because I feel like the team that's able to do that is the team that's going to get that eighth spot. And um, I haven't been watching uh, Phoenix as close, um, but they seem to be kind of an up-and-down team as well. And, and I'm not sure because I haven't seen a ton of them this year. You know, I like to see them with my eyes. And um, I don't know if they can win five, six, seven, eight in a row. But I do believe Oklahoma City is capable of doing that, even though they just lost Steven Adams. Um, and the Pelicans, their largest win streak this year is four. But it's going to take a little bit more than that, I think, uh, to separate yourself from the other two.
1: So, if you had to rank them right now, as far as handicapping the eighth seed, would you go Oklahoma City one, New Orleans two, Phoenix three? Yes. Exactly. Okay. Well, you're going to see Phoenix twice in the flesh um, against the Pelicans still to come. Phoenix is three and seven in their last ten. I think you're validated in your statements, David.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, that that's the case, and and again, like the, the games against Oklahoma City. Um, I guess that was last week. Uh, you know, I was hoping for to win them both, but they at least split and they and they win the season series three one. That's big because it could come down to to those two. But here's another opportunity with Phoenix. They need to win uh, these games and and put themselves in a good position. And and these games, when you're playing against a team that you might see down in a tiebreak situation, they're almost like winning two games in one. So important games when they they do come up.
1: We're going to have this longer than normal All-Star break. Um, What do you see as the benefits or detriments to going off this long between, you know, playing tonight and then not playing again until uh, a week from Friday, David?
2: I I think this is not the way to go. Uh, They didn't lengthen the season at all. They just crammed it all into uh, the same amount of time with, to me, more games bunched up. You know, guys talking about tired and, and needing a break. Well, they just played a bunch of games, kind of a lot of back-to-backs, a lot of four and fives uh, bunched up. And now they're going to take a 10 days off. Now, the times that, that I didn't go to the All-Star game. So I got from Wednesday off till Monday, maybe even Tuesday. So that's roughly six days. I always thought it was a lot of time. Now, I get... For the guys playing in the All-Star game, it's it's a little different. But if you think about it, they're only playing one game, and it's an exhibition game. They're not out there necessarily giving it a hundred percent. So the last game is Wednesday. The All-Star game is Sunday, and then you play Tuesday. To me, that's not. And again, I i I've never I was never an All-Star. It's easy for me to say. But I think it's worse to have all these games bunched up. That seems like that would make you more tired. And then 10 days off, which is a ton of time in the middle of the season, I think it's going to be a lot of injuries come after this because guys, you know, unless they're working out or doing something, that's too much time, I think.
1: Wow, interesting. Well said, though. I, 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 I kind of agree with you, and I'm anxious to see how this plays out. Um, so when you get back, David, there's 29 games left with regard to the Pelicans' schedule. Uh, in your eyes, is that a sprint to the finish, or is there too much of a chunk to get too excited about a stretch run? I
2: think it's, I think it's, I think it's sprint. I, I think you have to come back and be on your game. The teams that come back ready to play, ready to get wins, are going to better their position. Whether it's uh, from the outside looking in, or it's second to first, or or whatever the case is, if you're ready to go when this when this All Star break Uh, is over I think you can take advantage of some teams that come back that aren't ready so I think it's important for the Pelicans with with just 29 games to to get off to a good start and really start making that charge which means they have to beat the sub 500s. they got to continue to play well at home and then they got to sneak a few wins out there on the road put on a stretch run where they get you know that five or six in a row and, and and they may have a real good chance
1: and I'll just say this, we can wrap up on this. I'm sure glad we're having this conversation as opposed to the one that we've had in the last couple of years with guys out and no playoff possibilities whatsoever, huh?
2: I, I think it's awesome. Uh, to the, the talk about the, the Pelicans and being relevant, uh, this is my third year, which means the first two years that I was here, by January, by late December, you were already kind of, well, that's, that's a lost season because uh, it was you know, injuries and played so poor and, and talent and all the kind of things. So it's a lot more fun to be talking about the relevance and, and the possibilities going into uh, late February, early March.
1: Without a doubt. Um, all the best to you this weekend, David Wesley. Uh, I know you'll be an all-star in your own home, and I look <laughs> forward to seeing you at the Smoothie King Center later today.
2: All right, I'll see you in a little bit.
1: That's David Wesley. Fox Sports New Orleans. He's here on a Wesley Wednesday. We know Wesley Wednesday next week due to the All-Star break and Ash Wednesday and everything else. So we'll talk to David again in two weeks. We'll take a quick break and then we'll continue right here on the Black and Blue Report.
2: Hi, I'm Lisa Albright. I'm 36 years
1: old. I had the perfect life. It was everything I ever dreamed about until two weeks ago. I was standing in line at the grocery store, leaning over to empty my cart when I heard it.
3: Mommy, why are your pants too big in the back? And that's when it hit me. I'm wearing mom jeans. Never again. I will look hot in yoga pants. That is my purpose. Blend it
1: now.
0: Try the new firm and burn chocolate peanut butter smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to get into those yoga pants. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose.
3: The New Orleans Pelicans are having
1: a sale. Right now, pick any three games for as low as $24 with the special man plan. I want to go to the Pacers Nets and Heat.
2: You have to see the special man. Let him have it. With no problem.
0: Say I say, you say I say. Get your Pelicans three game plan today. See the special man. I got the $24.
1: Let him have it. We'll put you in a great seat today with no problem. Visit pelicans.com to get your special man plan today. What's
2: up, Pelican fans? This is Anthony Mackey, a shorter, talented version of Anthony Davis, and you are listening to the Black and Blue Report. Go Pelicans.
1: John Schumann's a writer for NBA.com. His game is analytics, and uh, we are pleased to have him join us for the first time. John, uh, good morning, and uh, happy All-Star break to you. We're almost there.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think we can all use the break, especially – teams that are a little banged up the pelicans obviously being one of
1: them yeah i noticed that in your recent posting on nba.com john there's so much involved with analytics now in the sport of basketball can you remember when you first were able to get your arms around all this stuff it seems overwhelming to me at times
3: yeah it, it, it was it was after i had started writing for nba.com basically i was just curious about i think it was assist fifth percentage and sort of how that affects um, a team's offense, whether a team can be, um, whether you know the, the more the team passes the ball or the you know the higher the assist rate uh, a team has, is that it makes them a better offensive team, um, and it necessarily doesn't. Basically, you can have a good offense that doesn't pass the ball a lot, and you can have a good uh, offense that does. You know, the the Spurs are obviously a great example of a team that passes the ball a lot and, and does have a great offense, and the Thunder have been uh, over the last few years a great example of a offensive team that doesn't need to pass the ball to uh, to put it in the basket
1: basically john it's interesting that you use that one first or at least you bring that analytic up first because it sure seems like with regard to the new orleans pelicans when they do move the ball they are winning games Uh, it seems awfully clear now through their first 50 some games yeah
3: yeah i mean I, i think if you look at it on a league basis like I said, there's there's examples of teams that move there's examples of teams that move the ball well that aren't very good offensively, and and the Sixers would be one example, or the or the the Hornets would be another example. Um, but if you look at it on team by team basis, I think all teams want to, um, you know, improve in that area and and just find the best shot that they can, rather than. Than getting too stagnant and uh, and and making it easier on the defense by by keeping uh, by you know having the ball stick on one side of the floor or in one guy's hand.
1: John, I think that there are several folks out there that do a power ranking or a weekly ranking of some kind. I, I think that yours is a must read. Um, what are the bases for the way that you rank teams, and maybe perhaps you could share with us some of the explanation for the numbers that you quickly point out at the top of each team's ledger in your power rankings.
3: Well, first of all, I'll, I'll say this, that I spend more time writing, a lot more time writing what I write in the power rankings than actually ranking the teams from 1 to 30. Hmm. Um, and basically when I'm writing, I'm basically looking at why the team is winning or losing or, or you know, basically that's the, that's the, the, my focus If the team has been winning this last few games. I want to know why they've been winning, you know, what they've been doing differently, uh, what they've been doing better. Um, if they've been, uh, on a losing streak, I want to know why they're losing. And, and I want to explain that to you. And I I want to be able to, um, you know, if, if a Pelicans fan is reading my power rankings, I want them to look at the, the, you know, the, you know, 65, 70 words that I've written about the Pelicans and learn something new that they maybe didn't know just, even if they've been watching them every single day. And so that makes it a little bit of a challenge, you know, to dig a little deep into the numbers and and try to find something that, um, you know, that that, that does that, 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 uh, you know, maybe teaches you something new if you've been following that particular team. Um, The numbers I have at the top of each team is basically looking at pace and efficiency, and that's – you know, that's just a, a simple way to explain how good a team is offensive and, offensively and defensively. Um, but it doesn't, you know, and if we look at just straight points per game that a team allows or a team scores, it doesn't take pace into account. And that, so you can have a, a like the Warriors, for example, um, you know, if you just look at the points per game that they allow, they may not appear to be as good a defensive team as they are. But the thing is they play so fast that they're a better defensive team than you might think, and they're actually the, the number one defensive team in the league. And if you look at it on a per-possession basis, they allow the fewest points, and that's that's the object, you know, because when you play a game, when it's Warriors against the, the Heat, who play at the slowest pace in the league, um, you know, each of them is going to get the same number of possessions. So you want to sort of adjust the numbers uh, for how many possessions each team plays, and that's the basics of it. So, and if you want to, Contend for a championship, you basically need to be a top 10 team on both ends of the floor.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So, I mean, it's hard for me to explain, like, during play-by-play, um, what each of these things means. But if we just took pace, for example, we're talking about process- possessions per 48, right? More Minutes, that is. Yes, yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah, It's okay. so basically how fast the team plays. The Warriors um, lead the league at about 101 possessions uh, per 48 minutes. Um, like I said, the heater lasts at about 92. So there's not – I mean, it's a, just a difference of nine possessions per 48, but that can uh, skew the numbers a little bit, um, you know, when you're talking about how good or bad a defensive or offensive team uh, a team is.
1: If you're looking at individual players, John, um, what one strikes most with you? Is it is it PER? Is it plus, minus? What do you like best when you're analyzing just an individual?
3: Well, I mean, I, I do look at plus, minus um, – sort of adjusted for when a player is on and off the floor, I think, you know, the most important thing you can do is help your team win. And you win games by outscoring the other team. So a positive plus minus, if you have a positive plus minus, that means your team is outscoring the other team when you're on the floor, and that's a good thing. If you have a negative, you know, that's a bad thing. Um, But then you've got to adjust it for your teammates. And so, you know, I like to look at, you know, how a team plays, but rather than look at, a player's individual numbers. I look at how his team. I look at his team numbers when he's on the floor, or when he's off the floor, and then you got to take that into context. Who's he? Who he's? Who he's on the floor with? Like for instance, you know, uh, Matt Barnes might have a great plus-minus, but it has something to do with the fact that he's on the floor with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin all the time. Um, so you have to sort of uh, take everything into context context I will look at everything. I will look at a, a PER stat. Um, Uh, You want to look at effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentage, which look at, you know, how well a player shoots and how efficient he scores. Um, And then everything has to be taken to a context. There's no one number that's going to tell you everything about a player or a team. And you just sort of have to, you know, uh, use all the different tools you have to to keep adding context. And and at some point, you get a good idea of what a player does for his team on, on both ends of the floor.
1: John Schumann from NBA.com with us here on the Black and Blue Report. John, what do the the, um, advanced stats tell us about Anthony Davis and his spot in the league right now?
3: Well, just from an individual numbers um, standpoint, there's basically nobody better in the league. Um, You know, just from the the, the, the numbers he puts up, um, you know, there is nobody better as far as points, rebounds, uh, steals, blocks, you know, roll roll that all into one he's 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 at the top of the league um and if you look at his impact on on the pelicans numbers um he's right there too i mean he's he's great they're a better offensive team when he's on the floor they're a better defensive team when he's on the floor um you know i think still there's so much more he could do i i think you know as far as just gaining experience and uh... You know, basketball IQ, as that grows, uh, I think he's just going to get better and better.
1: Is he, uh, you know, I, I could, this is the question I get all the time, John. Is Anthony Davis the best player in the NBA now? And I, I guess I'm not ready to say that. Um, so what? what's the difference between, you know, your statement that if you look at those numbers, it's, it's clearly Anthony Davis, but at the same time, isn't there something that kind of holds us up in, in naming him the top of the heap?
3: Yeah, I think so, and and yeah, like I I'm yeah I'm not ready to make that statement yet either. Um, I still think you know LeBron James and Kevin Durant are still the two best players. If you want to even talk MVP? I think Stephen Curry and James Harden um, would be at the top of my list. You know, there's there's a winning element to it. You know, and and like I said, the the Pelicans are a better team when he's on the floor. When he than when he's off, they they are above five hundred now. Um, and they are, you know, uh, you know, right there on the brink of a playoff spot. But I still feel like there's something else. There's, the, he, there's something else where he can he can do something maybe to lift his teammates a little bit more. Um, and and you know, the one thing I look at with the Pelicans is is you know, there's they're a bottom ten defensive team, um, and that's that seems strange to me when you have. Anthony Davis and, and Omar Ashik on the same front line. And that's I think that's the step that this team has to take. And and I don't think that's all on Anthony Davis's shoulders uh, whatsoever. But I think there's still a step to be made before I can say, yeah, he's the, definitely the best player uh, in the league.
1: John, what's made the Pelicans bottom 10 defensively? Because you're right. When you look at the personnel, you're saying to yourself, hold on a second here, there's two rim protectors right there. Um, is it because they can't stop the ball in the perimeter? Is it, is it because, you know, what What? What can we dig other than the eyeball test out from stats or numbers that say this is why they have not taken that step defensively?
3: Well, if you look at the numbers with those two guys on the floor, it's that of a top six defense, I think it is, with them on the floor together. But once one mm-hmm. of them comes off, then you're looking at basically their number. I think I looked at it earlier, their numbers, when one of Or the two of them is off the one of one of the two is off the floor. They basically have the numbers of a 29th ranked defense. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing with Davis, I think, is that he's away from the basket a lot. Um, I I wrote an article uh, just a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, basically saying that you can't protect the rim if you're not there. Mm -hmm. Um, And their scheme does take him away from the basket a lot. Part of that is he's guarding power forwards, but even when he's playing center when Ryan Anderson is out there with him or he's technically playing center, maybe Ryan Anderson is guarding center. He's not at the rim protecting it. And therefore, you know, the Pelicans give up a lot of baskets at the rim. Um, I think they, at, at one point, a couple weeks ago, they had, you know, uh, they were at the bottom of the league as far as, uh, field goal, opponent field goal attempts at the rim. So I think, um, they need to work some things out defensively. Part of it is the perimeter defense, but you know, Drew Holiday is a solid defender. Guy, a point guard with length. Um, when he's out there, um, they should be better. There's just there's I don't know how to explain it much. You know, much more than that.
1: No, that's good. And I thought your your uh, your column, your article a while back about it's hard to guard the rim when you're not there. I thought at least at least sparked conversation even amongst those of us here with the Pelicans, uh, no doubt. And and I think that's the goal of any piece that you were to write. Uh, John Schumann with us here on NBA.com. Hey, John, before I let you go, um, you know, you've got three teams sitting at 25 losses going into today, all right there for the eighth spot in the West. And we're referring to Phoenix, New Orleans, and Oklahoma City. Um, What would the upcoming schedule, what would the trends for those three teams tell you about how that race will shake up in the final 29 or so games for all those teams?
3: Um I like Oklahoma City, and partly because they have, I believe they have the easiest schedule of the group, maybe the most home games remaining. Um, and they have been really good at home. Uh, I know they, they lost to the Pelicans there uh, last week, but other than that, they've been really, really good at home. Um, and also their offense has picked up in the last five games. like they were really struggling for maybe like 12, 13 game stretch. They're really struggling offensively, and then all of a sudden they found the switch. And the last five games, they've been off the charts offensively, even with Kevin Durant missing a couple of those games. Um, they've been off the charts, and I think that's that you know their defense is going to be there. Um, they've been a solid defensive team over the years, and I, I think they were struggling when Kevin Durant came back on on offense, which. Sounds strange when you have Durant and Westbrook, but they were struggling on that end, and they've sort of found their way a little bit. That's the one team that probably doesn't want the all-star break because I they think they found, they found something in the last few games. Um, but I like them just because they have a little bit easier schedule than, than both the Hornets and the Suns – I mean, excuse me, the Pelicans and the Suns. And, um, and I, like I said, I think they, they sort of found the switch uh, offensively.
1: It'll be interesting, to say the least. Uh, do you – yeah, Do you I, like the... I mean,
3: it's going to be great. I love watching all three of those teams, so I, I, I hope it comes down to the last week because um, all uh, I think the Pelicans have definitely found something a little bit uh, over the last few weeks. They've been playing better. The Suns have been solid and have just been snake-bitten by some late games, so I, I think it's going to be close, but I, I, I would favor the, the Thunder.
1: Any, uh, any thoughts on the effect of a longer All-Star break?
3: You know, I, I think it's... Squeezes the rest of the schedule a little much. I mean, I think it's a good thing, but I still think you need to spread out the schedule a little bit more. Uh, try to reduce back-to-back um, as much as you can. Try to reduce uh, travel issues where you have a team like Golden State last week playing a home at uh, a back-to-back in California. Uh, and then with one day, then playing another back-to-back in, in I think it was Brooklyn and somewhere else mm-hmm. um, or New York and somewhere else. They're basically played. they played the, a, four games and five nights on two different coasts, which was kind of crazy. Um, I think you need to reduce that kind of stuff. And and if you can, you know, play – if you're going to play it back-to-back, play it in Sacramento and Golden State or play it in L.A. and L.A. or New York and Brooklyn um, just to reduce travel like
1: that. I I agree with you. I think there's still some tweaks to go. I think we have a commissioner now that's willing to listen and take a look at those things. Um, Hey, one more thing before I let you go. I'm sure you noticed the little uh, Twitter spat. Uh, going on between Charles Barkley and Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, uh, over analytics and whatnot. Uh, did that find you smiling, or did you uh, did you frown upon that conversation?
3: I was just a little frustrated with Charles's uh, talk on on TNT last night, and he says, you know, the, the the Spurs had nothing to do with analytics, and that has nothing, that is, that, you know, that, that could be nothing further from the truth. That's he, that's a team that has a, an analytics group. I know for a fact. Uh, a couple of years ago, they used analytics to figure out what were they, what they were doing wrong defensively because they had slid, uh, sort of, uh, they had regressed defensively over the years. Um, they made some tweaks, uh, used analytics to figure out what was wrong, made some tweaks to their scheme, and then went back to becoming a top-five defensive team. That got sent back to the finals two years in a row and that won them a championship. And, and numbers had a lot to do with it. The Mavs, when they won a championship, had an analytics guy sitting on their bench. They used analytics to change their lineup in the middle of finals, which won them them a championship. Um, the Heat, uh, you know, he said, the Heat have nothing to do with analytics when they have one of the most fat, hungry coaches on, in the league. You know, Eric Spolster gets a, you know, a printout every, after every game of all kinds of numbers that he looks at. So to say that, you know, I, I think it's just, Uh, it's just silly to think that that the great teams don't use that stuff. Yes, talent comes first, always will, um, but the numbers can help you figure out what you're doing wrong, what you can do better. Um, And I don't know why any analyst or coach or or GM would not want to, would not want as much information as possible.
1: I think you just swung a pretty big hammer there, John. Nice job.
3: (laughs) I do my (laughs) best
1: outstanding work on NBA.com I think folks know easily how to find you there but if they haven't found you on Twitter yet I think they're missing out how can folks follow you on Twitter, John?
3: It's John Schumann and it's J-O-H-N-S-C-H-U-H-M-A-N-N
1: Good stuff Hey, enjoy All-Star Weekend I'd love to do this again down the road and see how some of these things shake out I hope you'll be willing to do it again
3: Absolutely, anytime
1: Alright, John Schumann from NBA.com with us I I learned a lot more here in our conversation and that's the whole goal We'll take a quick break and then we'll wrap up today's black and blue report right after this.
0: It's carnival time, and your New Orleans Pelicans take flight this Wednesday, February 11th at 7 p.m. when the Indiana Pacers come to town. The Smoothie King Center fills with Mardi Gras madness as the first 8,000 fans receive free Pelicans speeds. plus halftime features the Crew of Pelicans Parade. The Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off the fun at 530 with music, inflatable games, and a whole bunch more. Tickets start as low as $13. Visit pelicans.com. Get your seats today.
1: I'm Linda, mother of two beautiful 13-year-old twins. While my son has brown hair and blue eyes, and my daughter has blonde with green eyes, they both share one identical DNA trait. I hate spinach. No one leaves a table until you finish your vegetables. Getting my kids to want to eat vegetables, that's my purpose. Blend
2: it now.
0: Try the new veggie blends at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to get your kids to love vegetables. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. It's Pelicans game day. This is the black and blue report.
1: Hey, before we let you go on this, th- this Wednesday, a couple of housekeeping notes. So this is our last black and blue report podcast. Uh, we'll be taking a break for the all-star festivities in New York and Mardi Gras here in New Orleans. Our next black and blue report podcast is yours one week from tomorrow. Next Thursday, we'll get the uh, season back up and running for the Pelicans. And we'll be talking combine, of course, uh, with regard to the NFL and the New Orleans Saints. Uh, With the break, we will also not have a Monty Williams radio show tomorrow night on WWL-FM. That show will return one week from tomorrow night at 8 central as the Pelicans will be in Orlando, Florida, getting set to uh, start the uh, final stretch run, as David and I talked about earlier. So that'll be a big show. Coach Williams will uh, recap the um, All-Star break with us and preview those big games against Orlando and Miami coming out of the break. Tonight's last game before the break, as we mentioned, is against Indiana. It's also our last game before Mardi Gras. So, therefore, it's Mardi Gras Madness tonight here at the Smoothie King Center. The first 8,000 fans in the building will get this year's edition of the uh, Pelicans Mardi Gras beads. I think they look fantastic this year. Uh, And then, of course, the Crew of Pelicans Mardi Gras Parade coming up at halftime tonight we'll hope to get out of here with a win tonight against a a stout Indiana team don't be fooled by that record of theirs Um, that's a team that causes a lot of problems especially on our old friend David West who returns to uh, New Orleans here tonight with the uh, Pacers so with that being said we will bid you adieu and uh, thank our guests today uh, David Wesley of course and John Schumann from NBA.com Enjoy the ball game tonight, and have a great Mardi Gras weekend, everybody. Hope you get to slide the All-Star game in there as well, and we'll see if Anthony Davis is a go tonight and on Sunday in New York City. I'm Sean Kelly, and until tonight on the radio, we'll just say this, so long for just a while.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. TUNE IN EACH WEEKDAY AT 12 P.M. OR AT YOUR CONVENIENCE EXCLUSIVELY ONLINE AT NewOrleansSaints.com AND PELICANS.COM. FOLLOW YOUR TEAMS DIRECT FROM THE SOURCE. THE BLACK AND BLUE REPORT.